Greetings, listeners, friends, and strangers. This is the Monkey Tooth Podcast. This is Andrew, and with my wife Tiffany, we're doing it every week now, bringing you this podcast. We are currently in Oregon. We've gone backwards. We're back at the legal cannabis farm known as Old Apple Farm. We're just south of Portland. Um, We have gone thousands of miles already, but our only, uh, you know, a day's drive from where we began. We've kind of been zigzagging around. We've already had to do some repairs on the van. Uh, The guys here at the farm were very kind to us the last time we were here and left us an open invite. So I sent some parts here from Amazon and uh, they were kind enough to let me use their driveway to do some work on the van, which uh, was much needed and makes me feel a lot better about our prospects of making it further north in our journey from California to Alaska and then down to Tierra del Fuego in South America. Uh, If you're just joining us for the first time, that's what we're doing. If you've been listening, sorry for that uh, reminder of what you've probably heard a bunch of times already. But uh, thank you very, very much for being a listener and for being here at all. We tremendously appreciate it. My wife Tiffany will be doing the out, the exit uh, outro for this uh, podcast. So you'll get to hear her. And she was with me for this podcast. Uh, so this podcast it's with our buddy Ross Evans. Now Ross and I met, mm, I don't know, four or five years ago. Uh, he has a company in Oakland called Extra Cycle, which um, I was introduced to him from a friend of mine named Charis Ford, uh, who was the very first guest on this podcast. And uh, man, Ross is an interesting character. Uh, I, I think the best way for me to uh, to tell you about Ross is to read his bio. I'm just going to read it word for word here. Uh, Ross Evans. At the age of 19, Ross traveled to Mangua, Managua, carrying with him bike tools, a welder, and a question for his undergraduate thesis project. Alongside a group of war-disabled men, he set out in pursuit of a simple cargo-carrying bicycle solution. What began in 1995 became two pioneering organizations, World Bike and its altruistic for-profit sibling, ExtraCycle. In the process, Ross discovered how to enable a beautiful machine, the bicycle, to meet more needs and desires than ever before. ID Magazine declared him one of the 40 most notable socially responsible designers in the world. Curious and catalytic, He's led a team of world-class eye surgeons to develop cataract surgical tools for Nepal, created an award-winning construction toy, and presented at the TED conference. He's a Stanford-trained engineer, adventurer, inventor, humanitarian, yoga, and yogi, sorry, and design catalyst. Ross inspires others to do what we love to make a positive difference. He calls it holy shift. Uh that's real. I mean, this guy 
is is something else. I, I've not met many people uh, like him at all. Um, and I'm just uh, thrilled to have had the opportunity to sit down with him. He was so kind to us. He invited us over to his home. We got to meet his kids. He's got two just hilarious little boys. Uh, his wife, Shannon, is lovely and kind and fed us the next day. Uh, we got to ride around on the extra cycle, which was super cool. It's an amazing, beautiful bicycle that's uh, electrical assist. That thing will get you up the hill without any issue. I mean, I was a week outside of my knee surgery and was able to ride that bicycle with Tiffany on the back uh, around Nevada City. Um, it, it's just a beautiful, beautiful machine. So if you want to check them out, Extra Cycle. X-T-R-A-C-Y-C-L-E dot C-O-M, extracycle.com. Anyhow, you're going to hear from him here in this episode, and I think you'll enjoy it. It was a very interesting con- conversation, um, and he's just a just a fascinating, high IQ guy that I hope you, uh, hope you enjoy. A uh, little bit of housekeeping. Thank you guys for uh, all your Patreon support. That is helping tremendously uh especially since we've had to spend some money on the van we were not expecting to be spending so early uh it really helps and this uh this podcast is a little bit of work it takes time to produce so uh you guys out there giving a buck a month that's that's huge i mean uh, it's so kind any any little bit helps and everybody else giving more holy shit how sweet are you people thank you so much uh, and of course, the people who have given us money on GoFundMe, amazing. We're, we're, we're ever, ever grateful for that. And I got to send out another shout out to uh, Charis Ford, who, as I mentioned before, was our first guest and has really um, gone above and beyond to connect us with fun and interesting people along our route. I mean, it, it's, it just makes me wonder what the rest, we should just tour the country with Charis's recommendations um we've got some really kind of fascinating people in the pipeline if it all works out uh i will be thrilled if any of these guests come to uh sit in front of our microphones i'll, I'll be thrilled so yeah charis is like one of our producers now <laughs> thank you thank you charis um yeah that's that's really what i wanted to say and uh you know if you want to leave us a review on itunes man that helps it really really helps Okay, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up now and let you listen to Ross. But um, I, I just want to say thanks again to everybody for even just tuning in at all. It means the world to us. Hope you enjoy this episode. All right. You guys are teaming. It. I like it. So. Yeah, man. Go team. That's the that's the critique I get most often. There's not enough Tiffany. Oh, well, all right. Let's bring some Tiffany in. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ross, man. All right. Very excited to be at your house. We've been eating some uh, some chips and some chocolate, which we're gonna stop Yum. eating for the moment. That's right. Just pick <laughs> but, it out of our teeth for a little bit. Yeah, it'll sound good on on air. You know, like, <laughs> um, well, I mean, you. There's a lot to talk to you about. Um, you are uh well tell us about your business well all right well let's start with the hard question here um 
I could talk literally for an hour, but I will see if I can give you the short uh, version. The business grew out of a desire to be of service and marry my love for bicycles and service um, in a way that could have a meaningful impact. And uh, so that story starts in any number of places, either when I was a little kid on to when I was an undergrad. But the the basic gist of it is I went to Nicaragua in 1995 with the intention to figure out a way to use bicycle technology to help lift uh, people in poverty out. Um, and, and there's a whole story to that. But the gist of it is that uh, some ideas came out of that, which ultimately became something called the long tail cargo bike. And the company Extra Cycle is my first child. It's a total labor of love. It's been the most intensive steepest I like to call the overhung learning curve um and uh and that's what I'm doing today so um so what we do now is we have similar you know bikes that are made to carry stuff so I usually say extra cycle is like a bike with a back seat and a trunk so most people drive cars because they either need to bring a passenger or stuff and with our intention to make a more enjoyable way to get around with your small people or sweetheart or whatever and your stuff then we make bikes that enable that and we've been early pioneers of electrifying cargo bikes um and so that's really really big part of what we're doing and pioneering right now and so i often say like um electric and cargo or like chocolate and peanut butter or chocolate and hazelnut if you're in europe or peanut butter and jelly if you're a kid but essentially the two are better together so you know that's where we're focusing our efforts because a lot of people historically would get derailed or, or sort of uh, intimidated by the weight and the you know the heft of yeah. riding a bike with weight um, and and when you add an electric motor of course it, it becomes much more manageable but the flip side is if you have just a regular electric bike it really doesn't serve that much purpose like it's kind of like having like a lotus you know with one seat in it you know it's kind of like awesome car powerful and fast and super fun but you know, the day you need to bring your kid to school or whatever, it's really not that useful. And so, and so our sort of idea is that, is that most people, I believe most electric bikes, I mean, we're still, the bike industry is still has this sort of odd stranglehold on what bikes get made, but I see that changing pretty rapidly. And I believe that most electric bikes, the majority that will ultimately take over will be about, um, transportation lifestyle yeah. utility the flexibility and utility so tell me about that with the uh, what do you mean when you say that the um like trek and and bmw bmx or who's what's going on with the what bikes get put out what don't like, oh what, what well do i mean? mean so the bike industry is just uh sadly i mean i didn't choose it like i you know it's kind of this funny thing like i i would have been a lot i wanted to do medicine and medical devices but i and in a way i discovered that extra cycle is probably the best preventative medical device i could have chosen to pursue because of course what we know mostly is for health you know just routines that move get your body moving in a healthy way get you outside that gets you in touch with your community with your friend i mean all those things are linked to longevity but that's a side note my my uh in introduction into the bike industry was simply one of like kid you don't belong here and ultimately one you know what you can ask my wife like you know she would say that's the thing to tell me if you want me to do something so um you shouldn't do this yeah exactly (laughs) exactly so so for me um i've just had a, a real 
antagonistic experience with the bike industry because mm. it's pretty embedded with this idea that bikes are for recreation and racing. Right. And, and when you bring forth this notion that a bike could be useful, they're like, whoa, get out of here, you know? And so I think for me, the treks of the world are slowly coming around, but they're just not that interested. Their real interest is, is the, and they're still kind of trapped in this very, very small minded idea. I believe, um, nothing against racers or racing or recreation. I think that's an awesome niche, you know, yeah. it, but what's funny is they look at what I do as a niche. And yet I believe that, you know, the last time the average American caught air on a bicycle, yeah. ain't a big group of people right, you know right, yeah. um and yet there's magazines devoted to that and yeah. and and so we're just overcoming like really what we're talking about and really what has probably what's kept me interested in extra cycle has been the culture jamming side of it and mm -hmm. the learning curve side of it which has to do with how do you create lasting change that goes against the current of culture and it turns out very few companies you know, tilt at those windmills, yeah. you know, really try to make something significant happen. They pick a market that seems to have a pretty good chance of success. They make a marginally incremental or maybe just equally good product, bring it in and hope to kind of get a little bit of that market share. And what we've done from the beginning is just say, we have a bigger vision. We have a different vision. We have tried to partner with others, but that's really kind of where yeah. I th see our role at Extra Cycle is different from the mainstream bike industry. Yeah. Well, you've just now fucked us completely out of a sponsorship from Trek ever. Uh, can you possibly say something nice about Surly Bicycles, who we quite like and have ridden across the country? No, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Well, it's kind of like you got a big heart, kid, but like you know, save yourself and yeah. you know, go back to whatever. And yeah. and that was that was my first conversation I had with a guy who to this day is you know an iconoclast in the bike industry, a guy named Grant Peterson. Um, and uh, and he continues to you know rant against you know all sorts of things. And um, and he's carved out an incredible yeah. space. And and ultimately, like twenty or twenty five years later, he's. I think he's got a pretty viable company, but yeah. man, if he hasn't paid the price to get there. And so it's just, it's just weird, right? It's when you look in and you think if, if you were to start out and design this from the beginning, it wouldn't look like this, but somehow right. I think the influence of culture just sends us in different, you know, directions sometimes. Yeah. How old were you when you started extra cycle? I, uh, well, it's kind of like graduating. Like I kind of say I stumbled across the finish line. So I, I did manage to get a degree, but I, um, extra cycle kind of just evolved in a way that I would say I was by the time we incorporated, which was probably 98 or 99. Um, uh, I tend to say 98 was our starting year. So it's kind of like our 20 anniversary. Yeah, um, but I was, yeah, yeah, I was 22 or 23, I guess yeah. at that time. Yep. Yeah. It's a good, uh, good time of your life to That's be really, good longevity. Uh, yeah. And to be ambitious, like to do something like that mm -hmm. now, I mean, yeah, I mean, you seem like you've got a sort of endless supply of uh, creative energy, but like to, to start at the beginning at, at your age now, it's a lot tougher. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is and it isn't, right? I mean, sometimes these days I feel like I've just run like a triple marathon 
and the young kids are lining up and they get to benefit from, you know, yeah. breaking trail for a long time. So it's, there's both. I mean, but ultimately what you come to see is that, I mean, this is my real passion when we talk about edge running and stuff. It has to do with, I think, probably my, what I would love, and this is what we could talk about on the podcast, but I think the you know, my desire would be to help others avoid so many pitfalls that I had to like fall into, dig my way out of, fall into another one, dig my way out of that one. And it's been painful and hard. And I think our times and our planet and our people and our souls all really demand, um, that we move a little quicker. And so Mm -hmm. if we can help each other out, um, that's, that's what I'm all about. And so when I talk about edge runners, you know, my, my desire, right? Really where I want to put my energy more and more and more is to help those people who I call, you know, the entrepreneurial innovators who dare to make a difference, like to help them. And so if anything, like this incredible journey has just taught me a tremendous amount. And, um, I'm looking forward to sharing that as much as possible to help yeah. other yeah. people, you know? Yeah. Can you talk more about the bike itself? Sure. Cause I'm not too familiar. I've seen them, yep. but like, um, what's the max weight? Like, what is it made of? Does sure. it shift ge- has gear shifters? I yeah. don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I mean, it's electric. I don't know if that well, means. we have, yeah, we have all the above. So, I mean, the easiest way can broadly to talk about it, that this sort of category of bicycle that I've wouldn't say that I invented per se. I would say I, I gave it the name and I've certainly worked really, really hard, you know, kind of like Steve Jobs wasn't the first person to make an MP3 player, but everybody thinks about the iPod as, as the kind of the right. quintessential um, MP3 player. So you just compared yourself to Steve Jobs. And <laughs> exactly, right. I know, you must have got awesome. a huge ego. I aspire to have that kind of impact in the yeah, world. There's no, no question. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah, and so, I mean, to have <clears> with the beneficial impact, you know, I've been told that I did read, his, sadly, his, his autobiography, his biography by Walter Isaacson and I was really saddened by it. I felt like, Ooh, like I don't want to follow in his footsteps. I mean, such a tortured individual. Then I later, some people said, you know what, that he didn't even read it. There was kind of his fat checking was kind of poor. So it's unclear to me, like how, how much he suffered, how much he made other people suffer. So anyway, but, but reading it, I was like, yeah, I don't want to turn out like that guy. Um, that said, of course, you know, I'm in awe of the impact he had. And, um, and I, and I really like, you know, my, my calling with this is to is to try to create a skilled impact. So I I intend to have a beneficial, positive impact on a billion people by the time I die. That's my that's my goal, and that I have no idea goal. whether yeah. I'll do it. But yeah. I I'm just tilting at that one and like given everything I got. So to answer your more simple question, <laughs> um, our bikes are um, two wheels, so pretty normal. <coughs> um, what differentiates them is that they're a little bit longer than your average bike. So if you think about any kind of bike, a mountain bike, a cruiser bike, a road bike, they all tend to be within, you know, plus or minus an inch or two, the same kind of length. And so what I typically tell people is like, if you were to stand at your bike or the trusty steed you once rode, um, and put your left hand on the seat and your right hand on the rear tire, and then just stretch that rear tire back about a foot, you would have lengthened that bike, the wheelbase of the bike. So the distance between the two wheels, um, similar to what extra cycle does. We've okay. kind of figured out the optimal is between 12 and 15 inches longer for being able to then carry up to about 200 pounds. So typically that's really? where we sort of say most people yeah. will end up carrying on a ba- daily basis, maybe 50 pounds, but, but there's kind of this, that was one of the key insights is from Nicaragua. 50 pounds cargo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That includes the person riding the bicycle. Well, so it would be 400 pounds total if you, but I mean, oh, typically okay. it's like, yeah, I would say 350 okay. to total oh, weight. Okay. I mean, on our oh. bikes rating, but People have carried, I mean, early on I carried two Stanford football players. I think that was about 500 pounds. Oh my so, gosh. I mean, bike technology is 
unbelievable. Like yeah. if you just think about the the what a, a wheel can do. I mean, it's for the strength to weight. It's think un- of a bike in uh, general. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're I'm truly you know. I mean, we're all sort of in awe of, and that's what I think. It's like all of us look kind of so humble, you know. And it's yeah. like and all this sort of leaning towards carbon fiber and all this stuff. So I like to say our bikes are carbon fiberless steel, um, <laughs> but uh, but it's really just a joke. I think our our bikes are made out of um, chromoly steel. Yeah, uh, so it's a, it's a basic you know. That's what, so what Surly uses. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, right? I was say exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we we are believers in that. I mean, there's <laughs> exactly um, and and you know a lot of people like to say steel is real, but you know ultimately for me what I think I'm most inspired by again I didn't get into this to sell bikes I got into it to change lives and so you know one of the worst things I think could happen and when I I had a stump jumper back in college and like and it broke you know the frame uh and it's like this aluminum and it's all fancy and stuff but I'm like it was just I felt fundamentally let down you know and I tried to bondo it and I tried to epoxy all this stuff you can't fix it you know and and whereas a steel frame you truly can you could take it into a shop they could patch it up for you and so you know, what, one of the notions I love is this idea of making an heirloom, you know, making yeah. that yeah. something that could get handed down to your kids. So that's one of my primary. Like the primary, beach cruiser. Yeah. Like the guy it, that it'll, started it'll the beach cruiser, you heard his story. I don't know yeah. the guy who started the beach cruiser. Um, do you remember it? I don't really remember it, but I remember it was a really interesting, you know, he just started like making this style of bike. I don't even know in the, what year, 50s, 60s, maybe just out of like his, um, backyard shed Mm. and then it just kind of grew into this iconic bicycle but it just kind of started that small and I unfortunately don't remember the person's name or too many details but it was a very inspiring story Mm. and it was just like oh that's how the beach cruiser came about you Mm. know it's it's interesting I don't know if you I don't know that story but I do like that you're creating something that unlike Steve Jobs is going the opposite direction of planned obsolescence Mm. yes that you're not making something that needs a new cable Every five, you know, you're yeah. making something that's meant to be archival and yeah. and, and heirloom and passed down. Yeah. That's that's not the the way of modern economics. So yeah. th- when you say that, yeah, look, we're 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 not in the business of selling bicycles. We're in the business of changing lives. Yeah. Like That's the best way. The thing to point at to say, okay, his my bullshit detector is on. Uh, I didn't pick anything up. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you were if you're making something that was like full of easily breakable need to be upgraded type of components and that sort yeah. of thing like you're not i mean yeah. i've i've seen extra cycles around i've ridden on one i've gotten a chance to to help build a weird little transport for those things That's when you right. went to a trade show uh i, I think they're amazing and uh, I, I think the electric bike technology like the direction that's heading is going to get more from from my limited view of it you obviously have a much better view but it seems like it's heading towards that higher tech you're going to be plugging USBs in and things are going to be more fucked up and difficult to deal with. But it, it seems to me like the, where you, the direction you guys are heading, you're making a real, a real steel, solid, uh, well put together thing that you're just going to maintain like you would any other bike. Yeah, that I mean, that's, I think there's all these layers. I mean, when you look through the lens of design, mm. you obviously want to start out with what's the, what's begin with the end in mind, right? So you make a, a million decisions or whatever the number is 500 decisions when you're specking even just the parts on the bike and yeah. we go through the list and you know my team will tell you like i obsess over what you know are we going to go with butted rim like with spokes like you know what what's what are the nipples made out you know what are yeah. the components that we're building the wheels yeah. will it last is this are we saving a couple pennies 
to kind of like really ultimately hurt the longevity in it. And we just continue. But what's funny is, and, and this is where I've come up short and where I'm really most of my effort on the company's is work right now is actually on the marketing side, because I think a lot of people just mm. pump marketing because it's kind of like it's a great it's kind of like rocket fuel. right? It's like you can move really fast. But right. if you don't start with the core high value product, then then you're kind of like a lot of people will buy it and, and might whatever, they'll be fine. I mean, I don't think people's expectations of product are nearly as high as maybe there were at one point. We have a lot more of a consumerist kind of throwaway culture. Um, yeah. Stuff comes in, it goes out, and, you know, we're all probably culpable of, you know, consuming more than we need. But but in our true, in our essence, like we make so many decisions based upon what would, what would please, what would delight. So, I mean, so many people would consider it a success once they sell the product. And so just, I mean, again, to kind of get at your question about the product, it's kind of like, I'll tell you, the bike world is replete with people who nerd out about what yeah. spec and what stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I truly don't care. I'm super happy to ride almost any bike as yeah. long as it's as long <laughs> as I it isn't painful. Right. <clears throat> I um, I really just and I just enjoy bicycles. So I mean, I love the I almost all my well, I guess yeah, except for my folding bikes. Every bike I have is an extra cycle, and yeah. I'm just a believer in. I have, you know, our tagline is, is ready for anything. One of my core notions, and I mean, I carry this Leatherman everywhere that I can, except, you know, when I have to fly or something, but it's like, I love the idea of a mindset. I call it the mindset, a skill set and a tool set. And those are the keys I think to like a really rewarding life as well as, you know, being, being of a mindset, like, okay, this thing happened. And how can I turn it into an adventure? You know, to me, yeah. that's a huge, that's a huge step up yes. that we, and you guys are on this huge journey and it's like, to the degree you come from that point of view, my belief is you will have a phenomenal life changing journey and you will leave that imprint on those that you encounter. Right. Yeah. And to me, that's one of our core values is be a good butterfly. Right. And it, and mm-hmm. it stems from that whole notion from Edward, Edward Lorenz, the MIT professor who kind of basically discovered chaos theory. And the notion was a flap of a butterfly's wing could change the weather in Asia. Right. And right. so, and the notion was like, my belief with that is intention matters. In other words, yeah. like what we do, how we move through the world is having way more repercussions than we could possibly picture, yeah. particularly as an individualized human that we just are generally like for our sanity and for our sort of able ability to get through have to n- narrow our focus, right? We yeah. have to sort of assume that the rest of the world is like the five or six people that we interact with on a daily basis, right? And so, so one of our core values, one of my core operating sort of precepts is to just come at it like everything I do matters, not with, not to like overdo it in my head and kind of trip out. Cause of course all of us make mistakes, but, but my notion is to say, my intention is to be a good butterfly is to leave a positive imprint. And yeah. part of that has to do with my mindset, right? So if yeah. I, if I'm bummed out and thing didn't go the way I wanted versus I was like, wow, all right this happen, you know, there's yes. an opportunity to kind of adjust yes. and, mm-hmm. and flex and, <clears throat> you know, utilize, I feel like I swallowed a mosquito here. Um, but anyway, the, um, <laughs> the idea is really start again. So we're, we're kind of compressing all these layers, but what I'll say to try to wrap up the bike is, you know, basically we make it quality. We put huge effort, you know, I got a design degree. I, I, you know, was the top of my class. I mean, not to like scratch my back or whatever, but like I worked really, really hard right. to get a skill set. And then I went out and applied it and everybody was like, bikes, really Ross? Like, you know, is it like, you know, I think couldn't it's you? great. And I, and I just, to me, it's like, I tell people, I was like, I worked in med device design. Bike design is way harder. People don't realize it, but it's like you are so much more resource constrained. You're so it requires so your, your tolerances. There's so many things people don't realize. Like 
we are so we have gotten so removed from um, making things yeah. mm. that that people don't realize that it. it's it's uh, it's a true true skill and oh, yeah. and I, I you know we make our bikes in Taiwan everybody just kind of assumes Taiwan it's owned by China whatever it is deeply not like people there are not interested in being a part of Taiwan, of China it's just it's kind of a you know almost like a peace treaty type of you know sort of concession and um, it's just so different. You know, I've spent time in both places. I really have zero desire to spend time in China, whereas I really enjoy the people, the culture, the food. It's just, it's just a whole different totally thing. Good. So anyway, I've been going to Taiwan for gosh, almost 20 years now, you know, dozens and dozens of trips. And, and I've gone into many of these factories. People don't have any idea what it takes to make something first and foremost. Second of all, to like the, the compromise that can be made. So I was told by one of our trading companies that you know people who go with us translate for us have relationship with factories they said look the questions you're asking nobody has asked me to ask of these people like you know i'm asking where do you put your wash water you know how what are you know what's happening to this type of stuff because a lot of these factories are literally located like perched in the middle of a rice field right so it's like if if the water flowed out from cooling their um brazing operation like it would go Mm. into the field and and you just know that that's not something that the the culture and the government would support whereas you go into a place that's a disembodied humongous mega factory which is what most people think of when they think of manufacturing so anyway that that you would just have much much more inclination to be like whatever it's just away right we just it's the water's going away and so again i think i mean when you think about the simple question of what are our bikes made of and how are they different like I'm inclined to kind of go to that just in the way a gardener might say here's how I amended my soil because it's like it matters in the end result of the product and and a lot of people maybe you know don't eat enough vegetables to know to taste the difference right Right. but those who do you know and then of course if you go down the path of you know um, you know microbiome and other things we know that all that the diversity matters like fiber content changes sugar content changes there's so many things that end up impacting us so that's that's my vision is that our bikes, you know, not only impact your experience. So, so, I mean, I don't think I've said it, but you know, I've got really clear a couple of years ago that I'm not that interested in making bicycles. I really am not just in the same way that, you know, I don't know how many times you get a boarding pass for an airplane and you keep it right. It's just right. like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a ticket to get somewhere. And yeah. the bike industry is, is just full of people who are obsessed with the ticket and they collect them and they have multiples. And again, I, I, it's a beautiful thing. There's truly like, it's awesome. Why not collect bikes? Right. I mean, you can, you know, I couldn't collect Maseratis, but I could collect bikes. Like it's, you know, so it's like, great. That said, um, I think we've lost the plot a little bit when it comes to the role of these bikes for most people, you know, what, what, how's it interfacing with our lives and is it helping us get closer to what we want truly kind of at a deep level. And so, so what I've identified is, is to say extra cycle works to empower people with transformational tools that move the body and spirit. So if you unpack that statement, empowerment is basically about drawing out what's already within. So it's not saying I'm, I'm, I'm the savior coming from the outside to give you something. No, No, it's like you actually already have this within you. We all know this, this is the hero's journey, right? Transformational tools is about something that kind of, again, alchemy, right? It's like, it's taking lead and turning it to gold, right? So transformation is just simply like this incredible, you know, doomsday people will look at the world and be like, we're headed, you know, hell in a handbasket, right? It's like, there's no way we, this could ever, we could ever pull out of the tailspin we're in. And it's like, I say BS, like there's no question 
that, that, you know, we can absolutely transform the resources we have into a brilliant future. I absolutely believe that. The, again, back to our mindset thing, like most people, you know, depending where you land on that, you're going to say, mm, not so likely or whatever. Right. I'm so, people are too greedy or too people or whatever. But it's like, you know, basically my belief is when we empower and transform and then be moved, right? So body and spirit, body, mm -hmm. mind, spirit, really. But it's like, of course, we talk about, we're moving our bodies around, which is, of course, something we need to do until we sort of like have a chip and sort of mind meld and whatever in <laughs> cyberspace. But like, but most of us, even as physical beings, are probably going to need to move our bodies, even if we move into a world where we could kind of like download your consciousness. Yeah, into some right. Sort of I mean, I, my hunch is right. I mean, unless we kind of adopt the matrix model, right, where it's like somehow we're being fed by a tube and living mm -hmm. in a green ooze, like no thanks. Yeah, right. I'm not super interested in that either. And and I think that and yeah, and that's the thing that's so awesome. I mean, when that's what's so cool. I mean, almost invariably, people who again, not to say that everybody is able-bodied enough, and I'm sure. incredibly blessed to have a physically capable body and right. and live in a place where I can do it and have access. Right. I mean, I, let's not you know skip that point. Point, right yeah. but yeah. the point being is like those of us who can we're gonna want to move our bodies that's that's like you know i mean what i always laugh is like people who've made it they go on a bike vacation right i mean you guys rode across the country mm -hmm. and it's like that's like a you know like yeah. you set aside your life to have this incredible experience yeah. and i'm just like I'm, i always sort of say how sad that so many people not that many people do that first of all which is awesome sure. that those who do but they get back from that trip having ridden 50 miles a day or whatever and they get in a car because yeah. They actually haven't figured out how to get from home to work or get the things done. And so right. my vision is to say, let's just bring, bring it all together. all together, right? Like, let's live the whole dream. Yeah. And, and so ultimately, yeah, so we're getting people on bikes, empowering, transforming, being moved. And, you know, to me, one of the things about being moved is about optimism. It's about, mm, it's about totally. basically believing, like exuding, like we can do this, you know, yeah. and it's amazing how when you get around somebody like that, it lifts you up and then yes. they get around somebody and that lifts them up. And, and so, you know, that's clearly, you know, I think, I feel like Albert Einstein, we should look it up, but I feel like he said, there's kind of two camps, right? There's either the optimist or the pessimist. It's like either you believe the world is conspiring to good or to evil. And I happen to be in the former camp, right? Like yeah. that. And I, and along with Einstein, so I have a yeah. good company there. And <laughs> I Steve Jobs. Like <laughs> exactly. Right. So anyway, sorry yeah, for the no, rant. There no, you no, no, no. Listen, well, the rant is a really good segue into another project of yours that I want to talk to you about. You've got an idea for a podcast. <laughs> there you go. which is a great place to put all the rants you can get. Nice. But, uh, what you explained to me is the premise for your podcast is really cool. Uh, and you used the term earlier, the edge running, the edge runner, which um, I, I kind of want you to talk about, but like the the passion that you have put into and the intent uh, that you've put into making your product, your brand, you know, ExtraCycle, the fact that you give a shit how the components themselves are made and how the factory that makes those components treats, I would imagine, Everything. Every aspect that yeah. you can possibly get your hand on. If I can, yeah. Yeah. Um, when you are taking that sort of ethos and looking at doing something as, um, I mean, clearly, clearly anybody can do a podcast. <laughs> Here we are in your backyard, two people who uh, know almost nothing about it. Um, so you're going to take something that's so accessible to everyone and pour that sort of uh, ethos into it. I don't know if you would mind talking about like what it is that you're going to do sure. and how this 
you know, your mindset and all the tools that you're bringing to it yeah. are going to sort of inform yeah. what you're doing. I mean, it's coming together and I'm love to share with you. I mean, I, I'm sort of as much as possible open book. And like I told you, I'm so excited to be doing this with you just because yeah. it's like you're modeling it. And I think so many of us, I have a motto, you know, RFA kind of comes up in my life often. One, I said to you, it was ready for anything. Yes. I also like to say ready, fire, aim. <laughs> and so, and so so many people get stuck on aiming mm-hmm. and it's just like, look, you know, not to say like bullets is the right metaphor, but just as we know, we all know what we're talking about when we say that. And, and, and so for me, you know, I am, I'm somebody who's worked really hard to develop my intuition. And when something says go, I will go, I'll give it full yeah. blast with no clarity when it will produce any up, up, upside. Let me, let me pause right there. So when you say develop your intuition, do you mean like you're trying to cultivate it or you're trying to trust more in it? Both, right? I think it's really, it's a muscle, right? I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a, I, I was fortunate at a really young age to get exposed to some people who talked a lot about it yeah. and, and said, you know, look, you can practice when you go to the grocery store, you can ask like, should I get this orange or that orange? Right. Mm-hmm. See if I get an answer. I might not. Right. So that's one thing. I've also done some really deep work and you know, yogic sciences, meditation, um, psychedelics, whatever, like there's lots and lots of ways to try to access. And ultimately it comes down to authenticity, right? Like it's like, are we, and I was just reading this book, I'm forgetting now, I was talking about, um, basically as children, we are sort of, um, some of our earliest trauma experiences are related to belonging versus authenticity. And basically we will give up our authenticity in to order belong. to belong, right? Yeah. That's our first sort of exchange that we make. And yeah. so it just, it makes sense, right? That, that, and, and whatever the world is the way it is. And maybe there's a, there's a divine order there probably is to that, right? Like we had to build that muscle, you know? Um, I always like to point to that Johnny Cash song, you know, a boy named Sue, right? It's like, yeah. <laughs> maybe there's some divine sort of structure that's helping us build the muscle that we need to. And I could talk a lot about that for extra cycle, but for me getting into podcasts, you know, I think it's, um, I mean, I don't know. It's just such a miraculous thing. Like, it's like it's this democratization of information yeah. and people getting together. You guys are visiting and we're looking at each mm-hmm. other and, <laughs> and like kind of just communing in a funny way with these orbs of plastic in front of us. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, but, you know, it's like a, or I should say, yeah, plastic and yeah, metal. And Thanks, metal. Man, yeah, exactly. That's hard, right. Exactly. Can you just can you, <laughs> we'll take you, a dump you of carve this out? <laughs> carved this hunk of, of aluminum out yeah. of, of the ore and, and yeah. brought it to bear. And no, I get it. Um, and uh, no, but anyway, just the point being like, I mean, how cool, right? I mean, there's sound yeah. waves going and being translated into electrons that are being recorded in a, on, yeah. a, on a solid state and drive. There can be at least little. seven people that will hear this. That, exactly. And we're going to really blow their minds. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, this is so fun, right? You guys are kicking off. So anyway, for me, I think that's, so I, you know, like we were talking about Charis and we can come back to that, but he was, you know, tells me, he's like, you know, do, does the world really need another podcast? You know? <laughs> he was kind of like really giving me that and and which is great i mean it's a great That's question you, you know and i've come to believe um uh, this may be we're getting our answer the, right exactly now. right the world has responded the divine answer yeah. is i was i was wondering when the kid function may it may take scream. over this is what you do when you live with so much space. That's you can right. Just scream. Yeah. Just let it out. No. Yeah. Get that's it. an authentic scream. Right yeah. There. yeah. <laughs> that is not worried about belonging no. anywhere. No. That's right. It's it. I love it. And uh, highly annoying at times, too. So, you know, it's all of the above. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So, anyway, podcast, where are we at? Um, yeah, you're going to do Charis one. was asking. Oh, yeah. So, Charis, anyway, so I think it's a great question, right? But if we get over. I think so many of us got tripped up on perfection, like the notion that when totally. we make something, one of my great heroes in life, and a lot of people are like, really? Like, but I, I have learned so much from Tony Robbins, and he has, I mean, I've pretty much taken all of his courses. I've like 
fully played out you know you could say drank the kool-aid whatever like i've been to the event that they made wow. you know i'm not your guru out of like i i know his work well and i have i just have been in, in uh, huge gratitude but one of the things he has a saying he says you know perfection is the lowest standard because because you can never achieve it, you're off the mm, hook. And to set a goal and to say, hey, I'm going to do this thing is way, actually way higher bar yeah. than to be like, well, I'm, I'm still getting my microphone set up and, right. oh, I'm going to get the soundtrack just right. That. And I'm going to, you know, well, I got to study some more. And, you know, mm. well, I maybe I should, you know, get just the perfect Sometimes never get started. You need to get started, right? And we we you, may be or, fully unencumbered by the need for perfection. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. Well, that's awesome, right? And that's the model, again, the ready for anything. Tony also, Robbins, if you'd like to sponsor this that's podcast. Right. <laughs> this one too. Give it up. Give it up, monkey tooth. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, basically, I just, I don't, you know, there's this notion, um, Kevin Kelly, if you're familiar with him, he's, he's an amazing thinker, early founder of Wired Magazine, and oh, yeah, just, yeah. A, just a deep soul and has an incredible book, a number of incredible books. Um, incidentally, we have, I think, uh, well, anyway, he, he put that extra cycle, um, free radical in, in his book called cool tools. So I oh, know, nice. shout That's out cool. to that, That's which great. is awesome. Yeah. It's a really cool book, but anyway, it's kind of like the whole earth catalog meets like kind of right. modern day, um, tools and stuff. It's really neat. Anyhow. Um, why did I bring that up now? Oh, geez, I'm just, I'm like lost. That's all right. No, no, no. Well, you were just saying um, in the context of democratized information oh, yeah. and yes. bringing in. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. So he has this great essay called A Thousand True Fans, yeah. and he updated it recently um, as part of Tim Ferriss's um, launch of, I think, uh, Tribe of Mentors or Tools Tools for Titans. But anyway, it's a, it's a really cool essay. And the basic notion is that he kind of at one point did this math to say, hey, as an artist, let's say take a musician. He said, what? what would it take for your average mus musician to sustain their livelihood? And he said, basically it's a thousand true fans. And a true fan is somebody who basically buys your t-shirt. If you come out, they buy your, you know, your extended label yeah. or whatever, you know, record, uh, you know, four track special, yeah. they buy it all, right? That's your true fan. And he said, like, if you look at that and the money that that generates, you can basically sustain a life that if, you know, on about a average of, I think clearing. So after you sell it all, you, you make a hundred dollars per person. You can probably pull off a life with that. That's kind of his, his point yeah. of view. Right. And, and I think that is what I was telling Charles is I said, you know, that concept, um, and actually incidentally, I, I, Tim Ferriss, his podcast has impacted me heavily. I've listened to hundreds of hours of his stuff. I mean, I don't yeah, listen I do. to very many podcasts, but his has really met my need. And it was interesting talking to Charles because he's like, well, why, what's, you know, how are you different from Tim Ferriss? How, why don't, why don't you just let people listen to his podcast, you know? And, <laughs> and, uh, and it's a great question, you know, yeah, and I said, and I said, well, you know, his filter is just different, you know, to me, like, um, first of all, I, I, I love, you know, the actionable things. I love, um, I really want to make it like, he's really kind of hip to tactics, right? So he yes. kind of talks about morning routines and books and all that mm -hmm. stuff, which I love cause it, I've read, I don't know, untold numbers of books based that were recommended there sure. that have impacted my life. I've changed my diet. I've changed my workout routines. I've changed so many things. I mean, yeah. I'm a different human on account of that. And like how incredible, right? And there's yeah. a certain part of me is like, well, he's done it. You know, why should I do it? But I realized that like in the process of a lot of stuff I've been learning and books I've been reading, business related, I've come to really fall in love with like our kind of core values as a company. And I mentioned those earlier, but, um, well not all of them, but some of them and the type of people who might be drawn to that. And what I love is to say, I think we've kind of, most of us got exposure certainly of our set, like that there's a, there's a, there's a 
domain authority out there and we really just should let that domain authority be the domain authority and and then we and in our time it was like cnn or the you know the talking head that was there like well they they're the expert and so i'm going to defer to them and what's amazing i think as we engage with the world is to realize how many people there are how many flavors there are how many you know i mean like that was another concept you know that the long tail incidentally no no relationship to extra cycle but that notion of like the internet made made possible the long tail meaning like people who are like what was the movie is like people who trade in like bull semen or whatever the thing was it's like there's a market out there and they can find each other and people who collect you know and it's just like this crazy thing where the internet enabled whereas before there was no way you could sustainably maintain an outlet for obscure products or meet other people who are interested in those types of things so we may end up um, with too much background noise for you but anyway um it was predictable but um our chip eating consumed you know it (laughs) got in there um so anyway the uh the point of all this is to say that i'm really interested in connecting with developing a uh it doesn't matter how big it is i think for me it's like if i can find the right people and um, connect with them mm-hmm. and help them band together. I have this feeling like, so there's a couple of things to it. One is I really believe that I've been given this gift called, you know, uh, this notion of edge running. Um, that was a, a gift given to me, meaning like the, the motif um, shared with me by, with Charis, we went to see this awesome mycologist named Paul Stamets and he yeah. shared this notion of edge runners. I turned it into a, I guess, you know, a thing, but, um, he was talking about this phenomenon in nature that he was saying that the fungi is the original oh. sort of edge running yeah. organism with a whole story around that. But, but anyway, this, this, this gift of like unpacking, um, and, and sort of presenting and gathering people together who are those people who are entrepreneurial, it could be socially entrepreneurial, but it's somebody who's ambitious and will, and basically wanting to move something forward in the world. Yeah. They're willing to take risk mm-hmm. and they're doing it for something greater than themselves. So, mm-hmm. so that's the be a good butterfly, right? So if you add all those things, entrepreneurial innovators who dare to make a difference, they're moving something forward in the world. And I I feel like those are my people. I want to spend my time with them. I want to hear from them. I want to learn from them. And so to me, the idea of the podcast is to find people like that and hear their story and realize like, oh, I'm one of those too. And my, my goal is that we will band together. We'll, we'll Amplify. realize by amplifying that yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. realize there's more of us than we thought there were. Like yeah. if you're familiar with the, the notion of cultural creatives, did you ever hear that? There was this notion of like about actually when exercise was just getting started about 20 years ago, there was this kind of groundbreaking research that essentially showed that there were a lot more people like at that time, I was like 25 million people who were, you know, prone to buy organic, um, you know, would maybe prefer to ride a bike rather than drive a car. They, you know, bought, you know, eco laundry detergent, whatever. There was like, where in the broad spectrum of demographics, there was thought to be a very small number of those people. Mm -hmm. But when they finally started measuring and asking the right questions, it turned out there were a lot more of them. And those people thought they were alone. Basically, Mm -hmm. one of the things that defined those people was like, yeah, I'm kind of the only person like that in my town, but you know what? I don't really care. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm my family. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And so they felt alone. And when it became a demographic, it was like, oh, wow, this is a huge group of people. And that's kind of, yeah. those are the people who basically made Whole Foods work. And those are, mm-hmm. you know, it's like all these kind of things that came after that. So I love the idea of gathering our, you know, call it a tribe. Some people don't like that idea. I have great respect for that notion. But the, but the idea of, of who are your people, yeah. who do you resonate with, can we band together and for me, you know, our fifth value at Extra Cycle is we ride together. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it has a lot of layers. One at one layer, it starts in Nicaragua, which was basically like, I realized that like, if I don't ride a bike here, there's no way that our, the culture that we're exporting will ever happen. Like there's just like, if you travel around the world, there's this sort of, somebody's riding a bike is looking 
forward to getting a motorcycle and looking forward to trading mm. that in for a car and right. looking, you know, yeah. and how can we bypass that? So we ride together is partly about modeling the behavior that we want to see, right? And I believe that basically getting around by bicycle is only globally sustainable choice, right? Like, yeah. like we yeah. can't, not all of us could have our own car, right? And that's right. what those guys in Nicaragua said to me. They're like, well, don't you have a car? And I had to say, yeah, I do. And I had to look at that, right? And so, so that's, we, that's part of we ride together. Another part of we ride together is to recognize that as edge runners, it's hard. You know, I mean, no, there's no sure. question that putting on a podcast, getting in your van and traveling, quitting your job, not doing the sort of the, the nine to five, whatever it is, whatever your parents would be proud of you to do or whatever the pressure is in your life, you know, to opt out of that and to choose a different path to edge run or whatever is hard. And so I believe that we edge runners have to stick together. So that's the other part of we ride together. And of course, last piece is, you know, very literally, literally. extra cycles enable you to bring yeah. the people you love with you. And, and I've come to see that there's part of that is, is literally just the fun and the joy of being on a bike with other people. You yeah. know, like when, when I take the Absolutely. family or when I take Shannon on a date, like we're so much more connected on yeah. account of having ridden together that you wouldn't expect. And, you know, lots of people would, would go poo poo and be like, that's so cheesy or whatever, but it's, it's like, it's real. And it's, it's actually, she real. went on to call it the sex recycle <laughs> kind of inspired uh -oh. by like notion of like, um, you know, what was it? Men are from Mars, was women are from Venus. Like this idea that essentially the man, you know, again, whatever, this is just a, this is a yeah. wild theory on behalf of my wife. But like the, the notion was, and I think it's probably true is like a man in our, in sort of in a, not man, the masculine figure in the relationship. And the, if you have a, if that kind of a you polarity, cisgendered binary, yeah, I know I'm, I'm twisted here in you? California. <laughs> um, we're so left, we're falling off here. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, the, the, uh, the notion was that, that the, there's a mass in a sort of sure. a pair, you got a masculine and a feminine and right. the masculine wants to provide and the feminine wants to receive, or sort of like there's this sort of the, the, the penetration and the reception, right? It's right, kind right. of the classic notion of feminine masculine or vice versa. And so on the bike, what's so amazing is that when you're the peddler, you are providing, you are steering the ship, you are, yeah. and lots of people are like, oh, well, you know, you can flip that around. You know, there's, there's people uh -huh, who, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter who is it, but like the person on the back inherently has to receive. They can't pedal, they can't steer. Right, right. And, you know, we hear people say, I feel like I was the parade queen. For Shannon, she has no problem stepping into her feminine. She's a very feminine essence person. And so to her, she's like, my man's providing for me. I feel so connected. Like, and ultimately this breeds, you know, um, you know, whatever. Other right? kids of happiness. Yeah, there's sorts of happiness. <laughs> How many <laughs> so, kids have you got? Exactly, right? <laughs> Luckily, you know, uh, birth control is real. You know Uh, I wanted to ask um, towards the edge runners. Yeah, because one thing I dealt with when uh, back when I had more of an entrepreneurial spirit uh, was hypocrisy, mm. and it's inevitable because mm. you are gonna preach something that you in some way violate, and, compromise, and that you compromise, and that you. One thing I didn't have the wisdom for then that I, I'm, tr I'm actively working on is being aware of. And, and being vulnerable to my hypocrisy. Mm. You know, like, okay, yeah. anywhere right. I let down my own value or whatever it is, that yeah. I can I can cop to that yeah. and, and either say, have a real good reason why, 
or just say tough tits this mm-hmm. is how it's going or fix mm-hmm. you know, or course correct mm-hmm. in in your um in your conversations with edge runners and yourself you know your inner you seem like a pretty thoughtful you know you're thinking about things the way you move how how are you going to navigate um or how you navigate the the hypocrisy i think is a, a good way that you could i mean you said that tim ferris's filter is different than yours mm-hmm. you know um dealing with being sort of an edge runner and you know this pioneer sort of vibe but having those things like well yeah you do have a car you know or whatever it is uh do you have any kind of notion towards that in your in your idea for a podcast yeah. or in your in your pursuit as a as a guy running these you know these big bicycles but also having a car and they're getting shipped around from yeah. you know these things are coming from taiwan yeah, over yeah, here yeah, I mean, totally it, all of how, it yeah. how how do you navigate that and i mean i'll tell you just i mean we're up here in Nevada City, like this is where Extra Cycle really got its foothold. Um, I so clearly remember the time early, early on, like really we're for making the first prototypes. And I remember outside of our shop, there was a box of, of tubing that we had cut off, we, you know, and little ends of stuff yeah. that we couldn't use. And I remember, I mean, this sounds kind of absurd to me now, but I remember like nearly being in tears about like feeling like, I'm creating waste. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I'm going to do something good with these bikes. What do I know? Like we've made a couple of them and here I've created all this crap and all this waste and all right. this energy went into that stuff. And I'm not, you know, I, there was such a high bar mm. and ultimately, fortunately for me, you know, I persisted even though I was sort of self-flagellating so much. And ultimately I sort of fast forward. I remember one point about five years ago, I remember I, um, I realized I need to put myself on an environmental what do they call it? Like fast. I think I called it environmentalist fast. <laughs> and in fact, incidentally, people will laugh. I, I own it, right? I basically, that jet ski over there, I bought as my environmental offset. Um, <laughs> and, it, and cause I mean, everything I was doing was so environmental or whatever. And I just realized like trying to be that, like try to be the perfect, like you can't, there's no way. Like, I mean, yeah. being a white man born in America, you know, heterosexual, whatever. I mean, just list the things that are my, you could call them, you know, the lottery that I won. Right. But I'm, I, you know, my boys, they're going to have a huge impact, positive, negative, whatever they're, they're coming in having like just a, it probably much, much higher impact on our environment than a a boy born rurally poor in India. Right. Um, so, so what I look at is like, I'm living the hypocrisy. Like, I mean, and yet the thing is like, you know, somebody once said to me, like, if you took 7 billion ping pong balls, chucked them in this ginormous thing, spun them around. And you said, would you rather keep your ping pong ball or pick one out at random? Which one would you rather have? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like, it puts it in your face. Like, I think I like my odds, yeah, right? Things are good. But the thing in the end, it's like, okay, so everybody, no matter what we ultimately, we work with the hand we're given. And I think, you know, back to the podcast, back to what you guys are doing, what I see that is most moving to all of us is when anybody models authenticity, whether they're moved to yeah. tears, whether they're, 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 they're vulnerable enough to kind of own their insufficiency or whatever it is. You know, I mean, I've thankfully moved through so much stuff. Like I've, I've slayed those dragons where I can, I can walk back into that arena and be like, yeah, I really screwed that up and I get it and I'm sorry. And you know what? I also moved on and I, and I committed myself to get stronger or better or, or, you know, do it differently next time. And so to me, it's like, it's like one of my favorite quotes from Earl Nightingale. He says, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And if you think about it, it's like, whatever that, that can, lots of quotes bounce off of people. My, my relationship, that quote was I, at the time when I learned that I did not feel successful, I really felt like a failure and I would regularly just feel like just really despondent. 
with mm. with you know and lots of people would look at me like wow so you started this thing you got this great family like you're living in beautiful thing and, uh, right. and it's like yeah but I mean the back to that box of spare metal is like I you know this isn't what it's supposed to look like right and then and then I slowly have begun this journey to deepen into the recognition that it's you know as Charles would say perfect as it is right it's right. like it's like this notion that if I can just own my humanity and if I can live that to the degree I'm able you know it's scary I mean right we know we look don't have to look back that far in history like you know people who stick their head out got shot you know so there's but I kind of feel like somehow the the secret code is in vulnerability because if you yeah. just if you just are like this is who I am. Like if, you know, we have this saying and so you can bleep this out if you want, but it's, yeah, I fucking farted, you know? Yeah. And it was like, and then we made like buttons with that on it for Interbike, the big trade show yeah. one year, because the point was to say like, you know, it's like all what I had this epiphany one, one day, which is like in high school, all of us were so afraid that, we, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Oh, you farted. I'm like, Oh, I guess I did, you know? And then, and, uh, you know, no, I didn't do it. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we know. By the we way, smelted, just, smelted, it. Exactly. Yeah. And all yeah. that stuff. But, yeah. but like the cool kids were like, yeah, I fucking farted. You know, they just owned right. it. And yeah. I feel like that's like, it's such that's a magic true. like yeah. thing. And so that's where it kind of back to vulnerability. It's liberating. It's yes. like, oh, wow. You mean like the emperor has no clothes? Yeah. You know, it's like, you mean the, the Wizard of Oz is kind of a real guy yeah. with all of his yeah. deficiencies and neuroses that all of us have. And, and he's trying to look bigger than he is. It's yeah. like, yeah, let's get behind that curtain and just kind of be, you know, so I, to me, the most, somebody I re- recently, as you know, I've been sort of just doing my full out, you know, nerd nerd out on the podcast thing yeah. <laughs> I'm reading everything I can and I just was struck by the truth that my voice is going into somebody's ear right now in a way that's extraordinarily personal yeah like yeah. and 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 it's like it's that binaural kind of like I mean if I can somehow it, like it just feels like there's some way that the magic that this that this system Thank you, Steve Jobs. I mean, he, you know, in the podcast, you know, the idea of a pod, you know, iPod and then podcast and this platform that they, I don't know how they make money on it. I mean, it's just, it's an incredible system that's available for us. I mean, it's unbelievable Mm -hmm. the the richness that we all have. And if you have an internet connection and a device, which, you know, it's just, you know, basically, you know, we all get rid of phones fast enough, probably that there's, you know, there's a glut available, right? So anyway, you know, it's just an incredible, incredible democratized access to inspiring yeah. information or i suppose there's lots of things you can listen to that would be incredibly sure. depressing so sure yeah so it's, you know <laughs> you get to dial into the Definitely. frequency but oh my question is like a pretty basic one when you were talking about your um taking your wife out so the two of you can get on the bike like it can hold the both of you no issues whatsoever yeah so I, like we could ride it that's right yeah you guys should in fact I'll, that's I'll really cool you out. yeah it's it's uh i i mean truly that's it's really cool so what I call it. That's a very nice way to ask if we could ride the bicycle. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, would you like to take it with you? No, um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, no, it's it's actually one of the things that I think Extra Cycle probably pioneered more than anything else. Although it's kind of morphed into. I always like to joke, it's like kind of first comes love and comes marriage. You know, it's like, there's kind of that, you know, like you were saying earlier, like what follows this Extra Cycle? It's like kids, right? But like, you know, the notion is like, oddly enough. We're not getting on that fucking bike. Exactly. Right. You guys have to like, you better have some birth control in place. Um, but no, the, um, the, the, what I've seen is, is this amazing, uh, connection that can happen between Mm -hmm. adults. 
and and you think about it, it's like that's really cool. It's yeah. uncommon, right? I mean, essentially, adult passengering is just not in the vernacular. It's just it true. Was, and and obviously, true. as kids, we kind of doubled each other up at times, yeah. and all of us kind of oh yeah, you know, got around like that. With but the pegs. yeah, with mm-hmm. pegs or sitting on the handlebars or whatever it is, right? <laughs> I did um, that recently. <laughs> not recently, right? It just it's like we all kind of grew out of that, and mm. and so it's there's a magic in it that. Um, but I love I love the sort of literalness of your questions they're they're awesome you know they're Sorry. so true no no, it's, no, no it's like it's, it's like perfect. people will be like jeez like, really, ross like really, say something really need to understand how this bicycle works <laughs> exactly no it's well i we have this saying you know you got to ride to believe and it's kind of one yeah. of those things like i could talk to you about it all day long and then at some point you know yeah. you got to well, get on it and ride so you're doing design uh you're doing the marketing you're doing the corporate ethos and you're coming up with all these sayings when do you get a chance to like make these kids and uh, like you sound like a really busy dude? Like, what's how are you pulling all this together? What's... I mean, I'll just be clear. I I have a real aversion to the word busy. I feel like busy mm-hmm. is a choice. Um, I feel like I, I feel like the flip side of that is I'm blessed with a full life. So yeah. I'll just be really clear. Like I will say I have been on an all out media fast, meaning like I don't watch the news, I don't read the paper, I don't look at Facebook, I pretty much don't engage with any social media except sometimes if it's related to extra cycle I'll follow a link to yeah, see kind yeah. of but like I've found over and over again I'm I'm sad when I, mm. I when an hour disappears and I'm like oh wow I don't yeah it happens probably every six months or a year I'll, I'll end up on Facebook and yes. I mean the thing is designed to suck us in so anyway the point is that we all have way more yeah. time than we like to yes. say that is a about point. a year I can't remember ago I made a real distinct decision to sleep more um, and I probably average around nine hours a night. That's my goal. I don't always make it. And sometimes I can't fall right. asleep and we have a, you know, one year old is teething sometimes, whatever I, you know, but I my it's like, it was a huge like ego hit. If you think about back to, you know, like my model going up for so long was like, whoever sleeps the less is the win, the least mm-hmm. is like yeah, the most manly yeah. or the mm-hmm. most getting after it or whatever. And so, and I still sometimes think to myself, man, could I, I should be getting more done, you know? So I feel like it's a disease that we, yeah. or whatever. It's like a, it's like a, it's, it's like a, what do they call it? Like a virus you can manage or something. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, like we can, people can live with AIDS now. Like we can, we can live with yeah. that sort of that, that, that You're virus. The magic that Johnson of sleep. Exactly. Right. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I love, uh, Ariana Huffington, she had this great line. She said, you know, women, yeah. you should sleep your way to the top. You know, it's like this notion, like, you know, when she had Get this rested. epiphany, when she yeah. literally cracked her head open, falling asleep at her desk. And she's like, this is crazy. Like I've yeah. been I, like, what are we getting after here? So, so I will say, to be honest, like every mistake I've made in the book, right. Of course, I've just, I've just flailed at everything sure. and, and I'm of the personality type that just does things at the high rate or whatever. Um, and so anyway, for me, um, it's probably the hardest thing. I, you know, I meditate, you know, again, I don't love that word. I just, I sit quietly, you know, aim for 20 minutes a day. Um, I've had to give up other things. I don't work out in the same way, but I just walk with our kids, you know, right. uh, we ride bikes. And so there's trade-offs we're making. And I believe, I mean, again, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that this is available to everybody, but it feels like at least yeah. more so than we think um, that, that we can, that, that it's not about, you know, it's kind of like, not about how much you get done, but like, it's kind of the difference. I love the difference between, um, efficiency and effectiveness. Yeah, it's like, you know, are you, yeah. Like, are you getting a lot done or are you getting the right thing done? You know? And so right. for me, um, one of the most significant impacts, you know, on the business has been this incredible toolkit called, um, the entrepreneurial operating system. And it's, um, very basic. I and mean, you could read the book. It's, you know, it's like, it's really straightforward stuff. What I love about it, it kind of condensed all these 
great books. These authors that I tremendously have studied and love, like Jim Collins. I mean, I've consumed, you know, good to great, probably over 10 times. Like, it's like, these are like Bibles to me in a certain sense, or, you know, you know, secular, you know, kind of like yeah. business Bibles, I guess you call them. Um, and, uh, and it's distilled the, like kind of this notion for me that it doesn't, it's, it's about, it's like, it turns out having a really, the right team with the right attitude, um, you know, we recently had to let somebody go and he's an incredible guy, incredibly talented. And I was just like, what isn't going right about this? And I realized like he just didn't match our, our fingerprint. And, and so just even having the guts to say, it's nothing against you. Like this is, you know, you're going to be happy elsewhere. We're going to be happy. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, it's like, it's like, there's this saying, you know, multiplication by subtraction. And, and I feel like that is kind of captures the essence of, of like, of like this discipline, like again, non-consumptive, like living in a smaller house, there's all these things you take it, you, like yeah. every, you know, you guys are living in a van now and people are like, Oh my gosh, you mean you're living in like a, whatever you call that 20 square foot house or whatever, you yeah. know? And it's like, that's insanity when you had a dog and you're humans and you know, what do you, how do you get by? And it's like, and yet you realize that your life has been multiplied somehow yeah. when Very we simplify or when considerably we, richer. Right. And so that's anyway, my take is that that as a philosophy, we could all apply, you know, with, with discipline and rigor yeah. and end up richer on account of it. discipline yeah discipline and and i mean fun you gotta you gotta have a good time that's true so, so what's the point there was something there's a couple things i want to talk to you about for sure one charis because yeah. he's been our most popular well i think maybe chris ryan might have been slightly more popular he's but this is of our, our you know our original thousand fans uh charis was the most popular guy so I, I want you to talk about charis but before we move on from what we're talking about right now you said you can you've kind of like resigned to get more sleep in mm -hmm. your life and I've, I think about sleep in the context of what you are as a person. You're just kind of made up of memories. You've only got memories that you can deal with right now because what's happening next, you've got no idea. But right now you are, you're experiencing this and you're experiencing it in the context of having a memory of what you experienced in the past. So I like the idea of from my sleep, having a dream mm. that feels experiential and and taking out of my sleep a uh, a memory because it's it's a, like taking back a little bit of that that lost third of your life you know that people say that yep. you lose right. your sleep but it seems to me that like your uh, thoughts about sleep you're not it's not a missing third mm. it's an additional third of your life that you get to spend enriching the other two thirds do, do you have any are, for one, are dreams part of your deal? Do you mm. worry or think about your dreams or enhancing them or doing mm. anything specific to them? And and do you feel like you know, having those dreams, does that affect anything at all for you? Or, or am I just asking a totally dumbass, no, unrelated question? I mean, well, it's got lots and lots of layers. Dreams are a huge subject. Um, I will sadly say for myself, I have not access them in the way that I would like. So mm -hmm. when I was uh, undergrad at Stanford, um, I took 
uh, Psychology 101, which was taught by this guy, a pretty famous professor named Philip Zimbardo, and it was kind of considered, he was the guy behind the Stanford Prison Experiment. Which, oh, that guy, yeah. And so, anyway, wild dude and lots yeah. of things. and. Um, that you could say you about him. him. You, yeah. Was, so I took his course wow, and then, and in his, in, in his book, you know, he had written the, the, the textbook or whatever. And he wrote about lucid dreaming yeah. as one of the things. And it turned out this guy, Stephen LeBurge, who a PhD guy at Stanford, um, had basically been one of the first kind of scientists to actually try to document lucid dreaming. And so I went to see him and I remember him saying, he's like, you know what, you know, college kids don't sleep enough to lucid dream. Basically. He's just like, you, you know, waste he, your time, kid. Well, it was just like, yeah, just, I haven't had good success. He had a lab and, yeah. but he was, he had created a device for helping induce lucid dreaming and I was really interested in that and, and at one point I went back when I was doing my thesis and, and looking for product ideas and we looked a lot at kind of how whether we could develop any products together around dreaming so it's a very very intriguing like and yeah, sadly for me I haven't I think I maybe I'm uh, you know I used to say I'm gonna charge it to the sleep debt card you know and it was kind of like the um like and I think I'm paying that off right now and mm. I think maybe that'll free up um that capacity to and I just think as I need to slow down. I think there's phases in life for everything. Sure, sure. You know, when you have a one-year-old, just just kind of let go. Of, I let yeah. go of a lot of things to say, hey, this is a really, I've got a different priority right now. And yeah. there'll come a time when, and uh, you know, so everybody's in a different phase of life. But for yeah. me, um, right now, what I notice is that I don't, and again, I, I know from lucid dreaming, we have to actually actively practice remembering. So yeah. writing it down, getting in the habit of like training our brain to remember mm-hmm. our dreams is a really big deal. And I haven't done that to the degree that I have at times. And so I've been in intermittent with it, yeah. um, getting enough sleep, of course. Um, and then, and then there's other ways of course to induce it. Right. But I, I would just say for you, just, I mean, truly for me, this is like, you know, I like a sharp knife, like to yeah. me, sleeping is like sharpening the blade. Like yeah. I just, I just, for me, my days are that much brighter. Mm-hmm. I'm that much nicer. I'm a better dad. Yeah. I have more energy. I have clearer thoughts. You know, I have no idea how Shannon uh, can breastfeed three times a night and, and do anything of any consequence during the day. I mean, I, I truly, yeah. I just, I'm like, you know, incapable. I feel like yeah. literally I'm like, I'm like, so she's working with something that I don't have access yeah. to. It feels yeah. like, you know, the power. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a unbelievable. So yeah, I mean, sleep is a deep subject. I think mainly for me, I'm like, I'm like, I'm at this sort of hammer and like the sledgehammer sort of like, that's the, I'm just like, I just need to kind of the, the yeah. raw force that, yes. that exists in it. And I would love to explore the nuance of, a little bit more. Charis turned me on to, uh, it was a spider lily that he got mm-hmm. from some guy in uh, an Occidental, of okay. course. Um, and I, I tried that. You had to wake up in the middle of the night and take it mm-hmm. and then go back to sleep. But I've, I've experimented with mugwort, which you can't take real often. Mm-hmm. It's a little tea that you can make. Um, I've had some pretty amazing cool. dream sequences and sometimes like combining that with like a little melatonin. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just, hmm. I, 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 my wife, it's quite good at sleeping. She has mm-hmm. the, the rare gift of like... It's a good like, thing. It's a good thing. I can fall asleep very quickly. Yeah, your ears touch the pillow and goodbye. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm of that camp as uh, well. I, I tend to spend a little while and then, then get in there. But uh, I don't know. Sleep is a fascinating thing. So I'll, 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 I'll drop it. But I do want you to... No, it's, to, <laughs> I mean, believe me, it's like it's 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 a chasm or a wide yeah, open expanse yeah. I would love to explore and it, frolic about. And uh, and I just, uh, sadly, I, I'm on that, you know... I'm not a, I always like to say I'm a consumer, not a connoisseur. Like yes. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I am grateful for the hours I yeah. get to sleep and I look forward to a time when I can refine my taste buds and yeah. really explore yeah. a little bit. Cheers to that. So l- tell us, uh, Mr. Charis, how many names, how many words are in his name? Did you get text that text? Right? So, so the reason oh. I'll, I'll, I'll give a context quick. The reason I know you is through Charis Ford. <laughs> uh, he connected us, um, I mean, shortly after I met him, 
and I, I came down to Oakland to, to meet you briefly. Um, and he's the reason we're sitting here today. So tell me how uh, you've known Charis for how long and, and what's his name? Well, so I, so he, he wrote me back because when we started having this at the outset, I was like, you know, I thought he had seven names, born, you know, hippie son of a hippie mom. Um, <laughs> so he said, I bet you thought it was Moonbeam, Kombucha, Hari Futon, Bodhi Slingshot, Feng Shui Ford. <laughs> but he said, in reality, it's just Charis Ben Ford. Oh, so that, not to not to uh, disappoint. So it's his kids that have the his long kids names. have the long did, names. Yeah. So he did the hippie naming of it. That's he did the hippie even naming. more perfect. And we followed suit. So I'll, at some point, if you're interested, I'll tell you the, the name of our kids. But yes. um, we're all ears. Yeah. Well, so we could go there. Um, but he had kids before us, and so kind of set the stage that having more names. You know, actually, so Kipchoge, who um, helped me get extra cycle started, he is the hippie son of hippie mom, and he had. Yeah, it, he was the one who had seven names. Now I'm thinking about it, I merged those two guys. So his uh-huh. name was Kipchoge, Ivan, Cody, Gladstone, Spencer. Whoa. Um, and uh, and so, so uh, yeah, so anyway, the the name thing is, is a part of it. But so actually Kipchoge was the person who introduced me to Charis. Um, Charis came to Nevada City for the world-renowned Circle uh, Film Festival. And it was part, they invited him here to help show um, his film, French Fries to Go which was basically kind of his, his film about biofuels and, and kind of what they were doing in Telluride and stuff like that. And he's obviously a, you know, a character mm-hmm. and, and, um, and uh, Howard Donner, who, who shot that, was here too. And anyway, just, you know, just a really great creation that they did. Um, so he ended up, so Daryl Hannah was in that film too, and I think she, I'm pretty sure she came out to the film festival as well. And somehow she, there was some, uh, uh, diesel vehicle, I can't remember what it was, um, of, of of some significance that was on Craigslist or something like that. And so Charis was left to go buy that and bring it back to her. Um, the El her, Camino. Her, yeah, that's right, the El Camino. The El Camino. Yeah. That's right. So it was El Camino that was in Sacramento or something. Anyway, so he stuck around here, and then I think Kipchoge, he headed together back down to where her place was in Topanga and delivered the car or whatever. So I met him that trip. That was the first yeah. time, um, and we ended up we did a, a really kind of like when he showed up we did a kind of a really cool bike ride we it was the first year we'd ever done something we called um shrimp fest which was was kind of named after this guy um isaac who just everything was like shrimping like he would just like that was kind of his like thing it was like there was this funny word that he would use when something was awesome and so we're like shrimp i think i came up with the name shrimp fest because it was like it was this off-grid music hey, gathering um, in uh, at the river, and we kind of rode our bikes in, carried all the sound equipment, pedal powered the 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 power. Um, it was like this kind of cool experience that we did together with Charis. Um, How's it going, buddy? You all right? Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah thanks yeah. for asking. Jake. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. <laughs> there are a couple little kids here. There are kids. Very, this is where we're kids. This kids. is That's your right. home. You do what you want to do. Thanks yeah. for asking. Thank Jake. you, man. Um, so uh, so anyway. Um, that's where we met. We ended up really connecting at the Earth Fest in Davis and just kind of finding our groove. And and so um, anyway, we built a relationship yeah. uh, from there and have just had some of the highest times. He came to work at Extra Cycle for a time being. Yeah. Um, you know, he would tell you he, he was, you know, the bedraggled mule that was like, you know, <laughs> I was flogging, you know, and it was yeah. tired and ready to give up on the side of the trail kind of a thing. Um, you might've met him around that time, but anyway, so hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So we've had, we've had some amazing journeys and friendship. I'm super grateful to him. Yeah. He's a, he's a rare bird yeah. and rare bird. I, I just, Daryl Hannah, uh, every time I think of Daryl Hannah, um, I mean, of course, 
I'm of the age where one of my very first erections I have her to thank for. <laughs> uh, and then um, when she was talking about FOMO, fear of missing out, when I was uh, doing the biofuel thing, I saw Daryl Hannah pop up on the screen in an El Camino, which is like my favorite car. Oh my gosh. And I saw her driving a grease powered, and that's what I was doing. I was making you grease, making grease yeah. vehicles. And I saw, you know, this iconic, beautiful woman driving around uh, my favorite car powered on the fuel that I was so passionate about. Speaking of wet trains. Oh man, I nearly <laughs> lost it. I nearly, I nearly lost it. I've, I've never met Daryl Hannah, but knowing Charis is close enough, that's good enough for me. You did but, good. Yeah. Having met her, I think you did. I did all right, with, did all right. with Charis yeah, yeah, right yeah. on. No, yeah. I was talking about, you know. Oh, no, with yeah, my exactly. wife. Oh, yeah, wait, hey baby. Where, yeah, where'd exactly. you get here? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, hi. Oh, exactly, hi. right. <laughs> I, I didn't get another erection until I met you. There you go. It took a long time. Nice recovery. A lot of really disappointed uh people between daryl hannah and you yeah we don't edit this we just put the whole thing right yep. up there nope. just put in some songs violate some rules and <laughs> podcast 101 there you go um well man I, we could sit here and talk forever but we're getting jumped out of it with yeah. the trampoline i think yeah, it's, yeah. i think it's a good point to, okay, good. to shut her yeah. shut her down but time to uh, jump yeah man thank you yeah it's fun i uh a great time. Such an auspicious beginning to yeah. your trip. I'm mm. glad I could join in. It's Thanks for kind of, I don't know, feels like it's a significant uh, handoff to me to kind of begin my podcast. Yeah, journey oh. yeah it's good timing, <laughs> really. It's like vice versa. Yeah, it's day two of our journey Yeah, right now. Yeah, so. and we've all donated our pound of flesh through the mosquitoes who have sucked our blood <laughs> yeah, as yeah. we sat out here in the beautiful <laughs> evening light. So Yeah, uh, worth yeah. every, every right. ounce. That's right. Well, Cheers, thank man. you for having me. That's great. Thank you. Hey, monkey toothers. Tiffany here. Thank you so much for listening in to another one of our podcasts. We very much appreciate everybody's love and support. It's very kind, very encouraging. If you haven't already, you can check out our website, mtp.dog. Information there on ourselves, our van, and there's a contact tab if you want to shoot us an email with thoughts, suggestions, questions. You can do it directly there at mtp.dog. We are also on social media, Instagram and Facebook, Monkey Tooth Podcast. Check it out. We're putting pictures up of our trip and our podcasts are available there as well. And if you want to give us some money, very kind of you, very kind of all of you that have given us money. We very much appreciate it. We have a Patreon and GoFundMe page, all at Monkey Tooth Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love each and every one of you. We will see you next time. Bye-bye.
just could not people. I declare I could not hold back no more. Later in a tune, I declare. 